Welcome to today's episode of Let Me Be Brief. I'm your co-host, Andy Rieger. Yeah, you are. That's right, I am. That's why I just said it. <laughs> of Jay Rieger & Co. I'm with Matt Basinger, and right now Matt has requested, awkwardly enough, a shot of gin, so that's what's sitting in front of him. Uh, we're in the Let It Fly Media Studios. Today's episode is brought to you by M-Prize Bank, member FDIC. And today's guest here in September of 2021 is Harry Campbell. Harry is a fan favorite in Kansas City. Harry self-describes himself as, and I'm just saying it all because it's amazing, sort of how you self-described it, uh, speaker and author, mentor and coach, and investor. Harry, we have a busy show in front of us with you. Welcome to the show. I'm so fired up, I can't stand it. I'm a little irritated I didn't get offered alcohol, though. Uh, There's a long-running joke awkward, on show. I don't drink awkward. alcohol. And so Andy introduces oh. every episode with whatever alcohol I am apparently So, drinking. Harry, here I'm going to slide Matt's <laughs> gin to you. <laughs> there you go. And now you can have Matt's gin. There it is. This is on video. You're ruined. We're going to get into it. Andy gave the introduction of what you do, and that is a lot. Um, what, uh, walk me through like a day in the life of what you, yeah, I, did, I don't even know what question to ask to kick this off. So I'm just going to pass the metaphorical baton to you. That's fair. What are you working uh, on? Well, as I was prepping for this, I thought, uh, don't make the mistake of thinking I have a company we can talk about and how well it's done. Um, I W2 retired at the end of 18. My last role was the CEO at Dury Vision, which was an extraordinarily cool uh, business to have led for five years. Um, I was a longtime uh, Sprint and Embark executive. And by the way, this is important. Mr. K Award winner, 1998. Wow. So I always tell Chase, he's, I got 23 years on him, but um, I owned a small business and we won the Mr. K Award, so I've also been the president of a Fortune 400 company, which is a weird combo, just in case you wondered. Uh, when I retired, I decided I needed to keep doing my speaking and um, writing business. I do keynote speeches around the country and give 100% of my gross proceeds to charity, Okay. Uh, brain cancer research, Head for the Cure, which is actually a Kansas City-based charity led by Matt Anthony, former VML okay. uh, CEO. And that's the shirt you're rocking today. Is uh, Head it for the is. Cure Foundation. Um, I do this in honor of my wife. Uh, she has an, an inoperable malignant, <laughs> sorry. I think I can say this, and then it starts, and then uh, she has an inoperable malignant brain tumor, and I got tired of supporting her with words. Sure. So I started a speaking business, and I give the money to charity to try to um, show her my love and also to try to find a cure. Wow. And that's has occupied eight or nine years, even through the Dury Vision days, but it's even more so now. And I just wrote my third book, and I love doing keynote speeches, and I'm extraordinarily... Um, good at it because I'm very real. The books that I wrote are all called uh, Get Real, Get Real Culture, Get Real Leadership, and Get Real Mindset. And um, I'm just a normal dude that happened to have a lot of very smart people help me out. I got lucky a couple times, and I also try, I show up and I try hard, and it's worked out really well. And so I'm very proud of being able to raise money for charity to support my family. That's amazing. And, yeah. and a much better intro than what Andy gave you as well. <laughs> um, you Thank know, you. there's there's a number of things that we could talk about today and a number of things that hopefully we can talk about if we have you when we have you back on the show another time. But let's dive into a little bit of the business stuff. And and when I say business, we can talk nonprofit, but like the function of how uh, 
our daily lives interact with the thing of how money matters within of, of how you're growing and doing these things. And I want to start with books, if that's okay. Sure. Because I think the book industry is wow fascinating and it has grown and changed so much with uh, self-publishing and uh, the interaction of publishers. So tell me about your books and how you like what made you decide to write one and then what made you decide to write more. And then let's also like for the viewers or for the listeners, let's talk about like what it's like to write a book and how long it takes and where you start and do you talk to a publisher first or do you just go crazy on your laptop just People have no idea what it is. The answer to everything you all just said was yes, yes, no, yes, yes, no, and maybe. So we're done, right? There um, it is. Let I, me be brief. Ba- basically, <laughs> I started a speaking business, and I had PowerPoint presentations, and um, I had large groups in my um, sprint and embark job. So I had to learn how to um, engage, motivate, and um, inspire people, and I got good at that, and I'm hired to do it. I wanted, for credibility reasons, to have a book. Mm-hmm. So my wife insists I say this, and I love it. I am a speaker that happens to have books, not a author that speaks. It's a very sure. big difference. So all three of my books are about 100 pages, double-spaced. So if it takes you more than an hour and 20 minutes to read it, you need to go back to school. That's why um, I don't they're, read. They're, they're simple. They're in three-by-three three concepts of, of valid points. And what, what I really have done is tried to simplify, engage with people on things that they can do to be a better leader, to have a better culture, or to have a different mindset. That's what I have. I sat down to write these things, and after about 10 minutes, it became very clear that wasn't going to happen. Um, I get squirreled so easily, it's ridiculous. It could be my own dog. It could be uh, something that happens with a, something flying by. So I hired a, a ghostwriter. Mm-hmm. She came in, Maureen Rank. She's awesome at it. She taped what we said. She realized my strengths and weaknesses, and so we had uh, sticky notes up on the board about how to organize your thoughts and what happens, and she turned my stories into magic. Hmm. So that's the way she did it. I had to decide at that point whether I was going to self-publish or not, and I decided, of course, I was going to because I didn't think I was going to sell a lot not trying to be uh, pessimistic, but at the end of the day, I was doing the books to add credibility to my speaking business. Mm -hmm. And um, so what I did was I did print-on-demand and self-publishing. And I did it through, at the time it was called CreateSpace, it's now called KDP, Kindle Direct Publishing. It's basically Amazon is Mm -hmm. what it is. And um, it's extraordinarily simple. I love talking to people and telling them how to do it and how to go about it. I had a speech... Uh, a, a speaking thing last night where a guy came up and I spent seven or eight minutes talking to him about how to do it. It's not hard. I did it the way I did it because I didn't have expectations of big sales and I didn't want to get a publisher to try to market it and to make it happen because I didn't think it would matter. Um, I did this on all three of my books. It's extraordinarily easy. It's held in um, print digital form by the KDP. If you walk out of here and go to Amazon and order it, it's only 10 bucks. I could not bring myself to charge more for a 100-page book. Sure. I could not do it. That's fine. And if you go and order it, then there's two revenue streams that Amazon gets. They get the, the uh, digital storage and printing piece of the revenue stream from me as the author, and they get the marketing and sales uh, arm because you went to Amazon and bought it. If sure. I, as the author, buy copies myself, they get the digital printing piece but not the marketing and sales because then i carry it to a speech and sell it to people myself it's not hard 
but you, you say that you didn't have any uh, expectations of, of selling a lot. But if I remember correctly, you just sold 10,000 copies, right, of, of one of the books. I don't remember which, which Well, there you go again, paying attention. I, I kind of like that. Um, the total number of book sales of the all three combined went over 10,000 recently. And um, I'm a, a bit mystified uh, and extraordinarily proud of that number. It's still not huge. Sure. Compared to speaking, you know, for a keynote speech in front of an organization of two or 300 people, I get $5,000. Mm-hmm. I make a few bucks off of each book I sell. So I really treat the books like um, high-end business cards. Yeah. <laughs> I talk to somebody, I sign a book, I give it to them and see if that uh, has the ability to get me a speech. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I want to hit on the, the mentor and coach element. You know, that, that's about as, as close, I think, rather than going on to your past Sure. You know, that sort of helps us talk about today and, and what's going on. Again, at the beginning of the show, we talked about this is September of 2021. We're coming out of a pandemic. You're not really laser focused on any one particular business, but several people's businesses. What are you seeing out there in the economy and coming out of COVID or trying to get out of COVID? What's sort of your general insight with where we're at in society and the working world and really moving past this? I think the answer on the impact depends completely on the categories, and that's not surprising. If you're in the uh, cruise ship business, it's a little bit different <laughs> than you, if you're in the um, IKEA business where they can't, uh, they, they literally can't get stuff in stock enough, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm going to answer it in the context of the people that I mentor. And I, I, to be clear, I have a very robust but informal coaching and mentoring business. And the reason is I have no interest in to-dos, none. I don't have to, so I don't. So I get together with people and I had a couple of hour coffee this morning and I talk about their business. I don't do business development. I don't take to-dos and I don't charge people, but I give them my mind while I'm there. And what I'm seeing is um, big time hope right now. Even with the variants that are coming out and and COVID still being around, what's happening is people are now, um, I would say, bucking up, getting the grit going and saying, okay, how am I going to win coming out of it? In my uh, book on Get Real Mindset, I talk about embracing the crookedness. It's my point number two. And I don't talk about integrity crookedness. It's a crookedness of life. Life could be you, you hit a pothole and have a flat tire on the way to a meeting and you miss it and something bad happens or good happens. COVID happened, it's happening, and what you need to do is figure out how to make a differential advantage with uh, regard to other people coming out of it, and you're going to win. More companies start during times of uh, uh, rough stuff in the United States than ever. The number of uh, business startups are there, and what happens is the ones that stick with it, have a plan, and have the intestinal fortitude to say, okay, I got this and I know what I'm doing, are going to win. And I love meeting with those people, kind of sorting through what I can do to help because I have run a small business, and I have run a big business, and I've done a little bit in between. I've failed miserably, and I've I've, uh, succeeded spectacularly. And everybody needs a little bit of mix for those things because the humility that comes from that is amazing. (laughs) 
as uh, sit next You're to You're hired. Who, who, <laughs> we have two businesses that got kicked straight in the teeth by COVID, right? I mean, yes. I'm, I'm in the entertainment industry, and my whole purpose is to gather people for shared experiences. And there was a season where we weren't allowed to do that. And, and Andy has this beautiful space that is yes. set up to gather people, and he was not allowed to do that. And so uh, I'm just like sitting here nodding and feeling yeah. inspired and also not knowing what to say in response to that. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, a um, couple things. Uh, my... Um, House drink is uh, Rieger whiskey. Love it. Uh, straight oh, ice, oh, oh, no mixture. I like you even I love more it. than I did it, three uh, minutes ago. It makes me happy, and so that should make you happy. <laughs> and the other thing is I want you to know I'm kind of in the Hall of Fame for blade throwing. I can kick some ass. I've thrown two at a time and hit them both in the bullseye. Yes. Got a picture of that, me standing there like looking like a fool going crazy. So I just wanted you to know I have fond memories of your place. I appreciate that. <laughs> Let, let me ask about, I, I want to trans, transition a little bit to the speaking part of things, but to go from, in short, corporate America, right, in a handful of different ways, working again for small businesses, sure. big businesses, and was there a moment that you realized, hey, one of the things that I love the most is the opportunity to maybe have a little spotlight, but to inspire people, to use the wisdom that I have gained over the years, to use the experiences that I have, and to help people in whatever situation they're in. Like, how did you, was there an epiphany moment or was it uh, a series of events that, that transitioned you from corporate America to doing what you're doing now? Uh, there was a moment and it was after my first speech. So I was still an employee. I was a short-termer. I was gonna leave Embark because it had been sold and I wasn't gonna leave until the deal was finalized. I was the president uh, of the consumer business for Embark. Dan Hesse was my boss, but um, at that point, he had gone to Sprint, and we were selling. I was asked to give a speech. I went to Las Vegas, and I gave it, and the people were on their edge of their seats, and they were riveted, and all I was doing was making fun of myself, telling stories, and talking truth <laughs> about what I had done that had been good, that had been bad, and had been in between. And I do a little PG-13 cussing. I'm spitting, I'm waving, and I'm telling stories. And the feedback that I got uh, on the forms that came back was so good, I thought, you know what? I can do this not for a living, but because I love to do it, and it will keep me busy. And um, my wife, when I technically was retired from Embark, said, you can do whatever you want, but you can't be at home. So I had between 8.30 and 4.30 that I had to fill, and I said, I can do it with this speaking thing because I have messages and learnings and experiences to be able to share, and I want to do that, and I'm good enough at it that it can make a difference. Yeah. So, so, so the, let's, sorry, I want to hit on all the things real <laughs> do quick. It, do it. So what would you think about uh, then on the investor side? You know, how do you really look at what you want to do and what you want to spend Harry Campbell's money on? What are the things you look for? Andy, this is my favorite topic. Um, I bet on people. I, I, I grew up uh, in an alcoholic family, and my role was the pleaser and the reader of people. You don't choose your role in your family. It comes to you. It's the one I had. And it was a rough one, but it made it so I can read people, and I love to deal with people, and I bet on people. When I invest in a business, it is on the people in the business. And I've had some of those that didn't work out as well as I would have preferred, but most of them are good. And, and the last three or four I've made, I feel very good about the people because they're going to have bad times. They're going to have to pivot. They're going to have to change. They're going to have to give bad news, good news. And the ability to handle that, um, personally is hugely important to me. And if I get a chance to spend 
three meetings with somebody, let's say an hour, hour and a half each, I am absolutely convinced that I can get a read on them about whether I want to be around them and with them and investing with them or not, and that's the way I go about it. So here you have $100 you have to invest in me or Andy. Who's it going to be? Scott. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Never mind. No, I was going to be, well, be a smart ass, look, but I'm look, not going to do look, that. Look, look, I, 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 I prefer that he uh, actually just continue buying his house whiskey with that $100. Fair enough. Fair enough. So don't invest it. Just keep buying it. No. Um, but that betting on people thing, right? That's that's what we all do every single day. That's what you do. That's what Matt does. That's what I do. That's what Emprise Bank does. They, I mean, if you if you can't believe in the people, then who are you? Let, let me add one point about the people thing. Uh, um in the middle of my career, I left big business and ran a small business. Mr. K Award winner in 98, I said that. That was the most thrilling moment of my business life, and I've done a lot of different things, but doing that was critical. The thing that I realized was that it doesn't matter whether you have 20 people or 20,000. The issues are the same. Operationally, the jobs are different, but the issues are the same because it's people. People hire people. People fire people. People follow people. People leave companies because of people. And what you have to do is understand that, and you have to do everything you can to get the right people in place because as a leader, you're not the only person, unless it's a six-person company. It just doesn't happen that way. So you got to have next-level and next-level people that buy in, and they're the right kind of folks, and they have the integrity, the drive, and the inspiration to be able to win. So what's, what's then the biggest um, – what's the biggest – you know, outside of people, let's say you like the person when you're investing in a business, but you necessarily maybe – what's the next thing that you have to look at, right? Because you can't just bet on people, right? That's that's your first leg in. Am I interested or am mm -hmm. I not? But then what's really the next thing when you get down to the business side that you look at, look for, try to figure out? Actually, I cheated. The first thing I do is actually make sure they have a viable business opportunity <laughs> that, that solves a problem that's big. Sure. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. And and But that's to me, is table stakes. That's why I didn't bring it up. It's like sure. someone who says, what characters do you look for in the leader? I say, you mean after integrity? Sure. Or do I have to name that one? It's the same thing. I, I, I want a I want a business problem that you solve that that's a big enough problem, and that that's table stakes. Then what I want is I want the people. And then then after that, what I want to do with a person is I want to understand the absolute ugliest year they've ever had in their life, why they had it, what they learned from it, and how how that will. If it happens again, how they will do it differently. And it, it's not as trite as saying, you know, what's one big failure. I'm talking about dig deep. What happened? I, it, I was the CEO of an Internet startup in the middle of my career and in the river market. It was called Uclick. It was a, a distributor of branded content. Ran a website. You wanted Doonesbury. You had to buy it from me. We failed miserably. I had to shut the company down, and I was unemployed. I was 39. I was divorced. I had a 6-year-old and a 4-year-old, and I didn't have a job. I mean, let me tell you, you look around, and you're like, okay, what's next? And at that point, um, you test yourself. You figure out what your resolve is, what your plan is, and where you're going to go from there. I had a lot of people help me, and it ended up um, – I, I ended up in a very good place after that. But those are amazing moments that build your character in ways that you don't even understand are going to happen. Yeah. We are now 19 minutes into a 15-minute podcast, and we would like to do four hours, but <laughs> it's called Let Me Be Brief, so we can't do that. My last question, you can't talk about business or kids or spouses. What's the I, I feel like I feel like before you ask the question, because you do this every episode, I feel like Harry's going to have the best answer I think you might be right. that That's why I'm anybody's ever given. And we're really this. building this up. And That's if you, a lot of pressure. And if you don't, we'll make sure we tell you. 
What is the coolest thing you've ever done? You, you, um, and you can't give the kids. You can't get to get no, married. No, I, I, I've got, I've got an answer, and I, it, it's going to sound trite, but it's hugely important. Um, I set a goal to uh, set the school record at Vanderbilt University in ten thousand meters, and I did it. I set it, um, and it stood for thirty-five years. Wow. I am a sports freak. I don't even like running. In fact, I hate running, but I wasn't good enough to play any <laughs> stick and ball sport. I, I'm short, I'm slow, and I can't jump. Besides that, I got everything. And I decided I was going to be a long-distance runner because I run the same speed for a mile as I do for 50 yards. And I set the record. And I can't tell you how it mattered to me and how pride, how much pride I had in doing that and, and plotting that and and having that as something that on my resume. In April of 17, the record was broken after 35 years, and I was at a bar with friends, and we were toasting the guy that won it because it was in the same meet I set it in yes. 35 years later at the University of Tennessee track, and I toasted him, and I said, you know what? It was a great run. It was fun, but it was my moment that I did it, and I was surprised by it. That's awesome. That's a great 10,000 meters. Yes, 31.11 was my time. Harry. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us, sharing your wisdom, your stories. Uh, I know that there's a bright future with what you're doing as a speaker and author and mentor and coach and investor. And uh, we look forward to the ways that you will continue to make Kansas City an amazing place. On behalf of SwellSpark, Jay Rigger Co., Let It Fly Media, and Emprise Bank, uh, thank you for your time. You are so welcome. I can't stand it. I love this. Let's do it again. Deal. Deal. We'll do it on our next one, which is called Let Me Be Longer. <laughs> Oops. <laughs>